Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Welcome to Starting a Private Practice Podcast. This is our third week diving deep into vision where we bring on a therapist, maybe someone just like you, to do a live coaching session about what to do when something's off kilter with your vision and diving in. You're going to get to meet Dr. Marianne Miller, who's an LMFT, and see how vision plays out when starting something new and how you can use your vision for every stage of decision making. Let's dive in. I'll give just a little like grounding area because we've been working with Marianne for a little while in different capacities um, through our business school and some private coaching. Um, So Marianne Miller is a uh, eating disorder specialist in San Diego, California. She used to be a professor as well and work in the education center. And she made the transition to full-time private practice and made it full and had a waiting list and did all the things that she didn't yeah. think that she could she could do. And what's so wonderful about that is often there's this sense of, oh, when I have a full practice or when I have a waiting list, then I don't have to like worry about what happens when the vision of my private practice, like I've, I've, I've made it. I've arrived. I've arrived and everything will be fine and I will have no concerns. And Marianne, like many other um, therapists and business owners out there, realize, oh, there's there's some leveling up things and there's sometimes yes. options that open up and sometimes going back to old visions and all of these things. So know that even after you reach your initial vision, you're going to be reassessing and new things are going to come up and there's room to expand, to grow, to pivot, to change, to shift. It's all up for grabs. So as, with that, yeah, as we, Dr. Miller, as we work on vision, just, I know we're not talking about starting a practice specifically today, but we are talking about starting something new. And this is a process you can use anytime that you are evolving in your business. So Marianne, yes. take it away. What's going on? Well, um, the fourth quarter of 2021, um, my practice got really full. And I mean, it was quite full throughout the pandemic, but it was like over the top. I was seeing way too many clients. I was exhausted. And I took about a two week break over the holidays at the end of the year, which I always do. And I was just thinking, okay, this is not sustainable. I love the work I do. I just don't want to work this many hours, but because I'm a sole practitioner, I, I, you know, if I don't work the hours, then I don't get paid. And so I kind of was going back and forth. Do I want a group practice or do I want to do something different? And I decided, you know, I don't want to go the group practice route. I want to do something different. So I was like, oh, okay. So like, do I do online courses or classes or, and so I looked at a lot of different options and So what I landed on was um, a class, a five-week virtual class um, that I would teach 90 minutes um, over Zoom. 
And I've explored a bunch of different um, possibilities and I really landed on binge eating because there's a lot of eating disorder therapists out there who um, they do a ton of um, anorexia work. Um, they do a ton of bulimia work. Um, they're not as well known for binge eating. And I have kind of made a name for myself in San Diego County, especially to be known for binge eating and also through my blog, which, uh, you know, I was able to set up with your help. That's been very successful. <laughs> so I've gotten a ton of binge eating clients and I know it very, very well. And so, um, so I decided to create this, this class. And so can when I pause I, this for one second? Sure. And I know, cause we're, I, I feel like we're so close to getting to the question, but there's this other question just nagging at me. Yeah. So it, that I want to like get into, which is you talked about getting over full, mm -hmm. right? When you had the initial vision for your practice, what was full going to be? How many sessions per week? Um, oh my goodness. I don't think I knew. Um, I, did you I ever do the, the, yeah, spreadsheet I, yeah, I did. I did the spreadsheet. Okay. So I, I did do the spreadsheet. It was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't rem remember. I think it was, I was wanting like, like 23, 24 sessions a week. And okay. what was over full for you? Uh, from like 28 to 32. It was Ooh, yeah. okay. Yep. So let's, let's just pause right here because I think that this is a really important place, right? Yep. So we know that you went through our business school. So you did the math and the math requires you to say, this is what full is for me. Right. And what happens for a lot of therapists is they get to even that number, maybe 23 or 24 and realize, oh, actually full for me might be 20 or it might be 18. And so there's an adjustment that needs to happen. Right. What I think is so hard, especially when we're replicating trauma or when we're in fear, when we've just gone through a global pandemic, you know, all these other things, when we're, when we're associating the idea of, of saying no to a client with a loss of income. Yep. Right. We yep. start to get into this thing of just seeing how much is, is not coming in right. as opposed to seeing what you actually have. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a really important part. And you mentioned something really important, which was like, oh, that was years ago, meaning there hadn't been a, a setting back into the vision to assess and say, you know, what was the number that I was supposed to be seeing? that also had a certain amount of weeks off per year, all yep. of these different pieces, like what did that look like? And have I held to that? Does that actually work for me? Do I need to adjust that? Do I need to adjust my, um, the fee that I'm charging clients? Is my take-home income really working for me? All of these different questions. And it feels like there was something that where you skipped directly over that, and you went straight to, I need to solve it, solve the problem by creating, by creating this other thing. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing mm -hmm. that I want you to do, Marianne, mm -hmm. right. Even though, yes, we're going to get into the course. Courses are awesome. We love yeah. courses. We've sold a lot of courses <laughs> online. We believe in courses. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we might be the best selling course 
yeah, um, for, for, for any therapist <laughs> that are out there, which is pretty cool to like look at. Very cool. And yet the very first place to start is to, is to look at what is happening in your primary vision, your primary business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that working for you? Mm-hmm. And when we do know we're going to launch another stream of income, we need to create space and time for it. Yes. Have you done that? Well, um, that's one reason I signed up for TAP (laughs) 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 is because I, I, it was interesting because in January, my numbers dropped. And so it kind of naturally, I had space and time for that. And, and then I just kind of, I, you're right. I totally skipped all those steps and I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll still, you know, take the initial consultation calls. I'll still do that. And then I really realized this, I just can't do this. This is not sustainable. I need a cap. I need a reset. And that's why I joined TAP is to get the extra support. And that's why I think it was on a group coaching call that, or something or, or one of the, like I had, you know, asked a question on the feed and one or both of you responded about, um, taking off my initial 15 minute consultations. They're like, you're full. Why are you doing initial 15 minute consultations? <laughs> so I've done that. I'm not doing those anymore. I'm full. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm working with the, um, Karen, my individual tap coach, um, in doing that. And so, and I am starting to feel that fear crop up again because um, I am like, okay, I'm, I know that I'm have some clients dropping off in the summer. I have uh, high school students graduating college and leaving and people, you know, I know that especially in July, my client load is going to dip down and it's like, oh, scarcity mindset. But I'm like, no, I I cannot go back to where I was. Cause I think I hit, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was just so flooded. I mean, I, I stopped my blogs. I stopped social media because all I was doing was seeing clients. Right. And then, so I just, I mean, I stopped engaging with Zinni. I think I got like a, you know, a, like a Facebook message from one of you, like, just checking in and see how you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I was off uh, Facebook off and all grid. social media for so, an, a year and a half. So I want to say this, if your caseload was where it, feels good to you and you're making the income you wanted to make through your therapy services, would you still be wanting to do this binge eating class right now? Yes. Okay. So again, have you done the math with the foundational vision that the fee is at the right fee? Yes. With the right size caseload. Yes. I just, what's the fear creeping up then when you know that the math works? The fear is that uh, I won't get enough people in uh, enrollees uh, in the class. Oh, in the binge class. No, I don't know. We're talking about your math for just what you're doing with your one-to-one clients. Yes. So let's, we need to start and go back and with that math Mm. and get really clear that that fee is making sense, that Mm -hmm. you know what your cap is, because then that becomes a place of, Hey, I know that when you, when you stop doing consults, you put up a thing that said, Hey, you can get on my newsletter. 
Right. And that this is where I'll let people know when I have space available. And then you email that newsletter, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. if you know that, oh, my top is 18 is 20. I can see that I have things opening up as of next week. Then I can schedule consults and say, Hey, here are these pieces. So, right. So then that takes some of the pressure off of the course as well. Because the course doesn't have to make up for this. It can be the gravy. Yeah. Or the icing on the cake kind of concept, right? Like mm-hmm. what? Because it's sort of like, hey, we have a plumbing issue. We're just going to get a new toilet. Well, no, we need to fix the plumbing issue as well. Because even with a new Got toilet, it. we're still going to have this issue. Yeah. So that's a that really sense. terrible metaphor, though. That's just awful. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So. So we need to do the math to make sure that the caseload, what is the minimum caseload with the right fee for you to be taken care of? Mm -hmm. And so that no matter what happens with this course, Mm -hmm. right. You're okay. Okay. Uh, I had not thought about it that way. Yes. And then what happens, which is really wonderful, Mm -hmm. especially when you're doing something new like this is that at a certain point, as you get your landing page together, you have a bigger list, you know how to, for the people when you're full, who are looking for resources, they're easily enrolling in your binge eating course that, and then some of those people get all that they need. Some of those people become future clients. All of these things are all in flow. Then you can adjust based on, oh, hey, this is a, this isn't a pilot program anymore. This isn't a beta test. This is bringing me you know, $20,000, $50,000 a year, mm-hmm. I can adjust that into my okay. bigger thing and decide, oh, you know what? I'd actually like to drop my caseload a little bit more because okay. I know that this solid stream of income is established as opposed to dropping my caseload and then creating this panic in myself to learn something new. Because as you've already identified, like you learned all these skills on how to build a private practice with one-to-one and then yeah. you move to a course and it seems like it's kind of like, oh, this will be an easy pivot. No, and it's kind of not. It's not like, and it's, so and it's not, not at this level of, you know, every client that comes into you is somewhere mm-hmm. between sometimes three and $5,000 of income over, you know, six months, 12 months, whatever the thing is versus people that are coming in and giving you, you know, 300, $500. There's a lot more marketing that has to go in. You have to bring yes. a lot more people in yes. to have the same the volume. Yeah. 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 So first step, we're going to look at the minimum caseload, not like what I maximum can see what's the minimum I can see and what that fee needs to be, make those adjustments. And remember that you've been preparing for when people leave by having that wait list or not the wait list, the newsletter where you can make the announcement, right? Right. So once that's done, do you see how energetically it can open up space to play? So what is your other, what's your question about the vision here moving forward with that in mind? Hmm that revamps the question. Ah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I would, let's just pause with that for a second for everybody listening. I want you to breathe into that and notice that it changes the question. Does it even change your energy? I think you mentioned something about that. Like let's explore as you think about that. And we just took a minute to, to reestablish the vision to get some clarity on it. We just kind of breathe into your body. What does your body say just after doing that 
I feel more open, like open energetically. And I feel more relaxed. Like my mm. body feels more open and calmer. Mm. Good. Which, yeah. and I think what's interesting about that is that I think that's what you're trying to do with the course. Totally. Right. Like that's yeah. the whole goal of the course is, wow, I was carrying all this weight. It was feeling really tight. It was feeling like it was too many people. I'm going to do this course. Oh, wait, now I'm feeling even tighter and I'm feeling like I, I really got to get more people oh, in. I've been and it was so doing the opposite out. of yeah. like what you're looking for. Yeah. I've, I've been feeling very, very stressed hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. My, my husband's like, it's not always going to be like this with it. With this class. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> when we like Kelly talk about like, even like the Asana things that we do when we have somebody who says, Hey, I want to launch a course. Yes. Like what those steps are that we, this yeah. is what we talk about. So when we look at launching a course, the first thing we do is we say, what's the original vision is the current mm-hmm. practice functioning? Well, is mm-hmm. it, are the wheels greased? Mm-hmm. Have you maximized the amount of income? And the amount of time you can save in that practice, because sometimes people want to pile on top all this stuff and there's no room. And what happens is then their bread and butter, the main thing that provides them income suffers because their attention is distracted. So that's why we want to get that primary practice as automated and as smooth as possible. Now, you know, that looks different for everybody, Mm -hmm. but this is where we always go back to financially. Am I okay? Mm -hmm. Before I, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Am Mm -hmm. I being, am I taking care of myself before I add in another stressor? Because Mm -hmm. while it's creative and it could be fun, you can see how you are already, you are already looking to it to save you. And that's a lot of pressure on yourself for this to fix the issue of burnout versus what in the system is creating the burnout? Well, we forgot yep. the vision. That's all. Yeah. So before we even look at, okay, what is, what's the course going to be? How much is this going to cost? We look at what is the vision originally, and then how does this fit into it? Because it has to be piled. It needs to be paired with something that's already working well, because if, you know, it's basic physics. If you pair to something wonky, it's going to make the, the new thing wonky too, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And this is the other, it's the, and again, another way of saying it too, is that replication, right? You created this thing of overwork, right? And it's not feeling good. And if you go in from overwork with that same energy, you will overwork in the next thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and, and I think too, I mean, most of us, we went through grad school, we worked other jobs, then we were gathering hours while we worked other jobs, then we got jobs where we we're working other jobs, and we're, we're, we're constantly doing all these things. So it can feel very normal to be working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And we don't think of it as that because we just say, well, I'm only seeing 30 clients, or I'm only seeing 20 clients. But then when you actually look at the mm-hmm. amount of ener- energetically, when you are in work mode, and especially as professor, right? Like a recovering, a, a professor in recovery. Seriously, <laughs> totally. So yeah. I think ahead. I want you to think about 
where do you think your caseload size can be now knowing since you've already like dabbled some in doing a class and, and mm -hmm. things like that and some of the marketing, knowing energetically what that takes you and time-wise it takes you. Sure, mm -hmm. you're on a learning curve, but yeah. you want to accommodate for that. What is the caseload size? Do you have a hunch? That's yes, right um, uh, the caseload side is 20. Yeah, 20, 20 clients a week. Uh -huh. and, and where are you at right now? Um, it ranges from 24 to 27, and, 28. And you, just, <laughs> and you just said, like, I'm worried because people are going to be terminating. But yes. it's what we need. So then we need to make sure that that fee yes. is properly set towards what you need in your life to pay your bills and all those things. Yes. Um, yes. And that's the big, that's a big thing. I just uh, increased it uh, for new people. And then I was, cause I just increased it for everyone January 1st. And then based on, I think Miranda's advice for during tap, I increased it for my new people. Um, and then I'm going to have to look at the numbers um, to see what to increase it to that. That feels scary for me, but I've increased my rates before and my practice has still grown. So, but my numbers, I mean, my fee is pretty high. And so. Um, you also live in a place that has a significant cost. Like living. a one bedroom apartment here. Let's, just, <laughs> like, let's look a at studio what is like, like two grand here. It's, it's not you know, the medium house income yes. for like a starter home here is seven or $800,000 oh, at, at the least. At yeah. the least. It's, it's yeah. significant. Oh so yeah. Yeah. I Cost, think yep. it's, it can be really frustrating, right. To know what that takes to kind of like live life. Yeah, we can, we can absolutely, we, like, we can make adjustments, we can budget, we can live simply, we can do all of those things. And right. We can also say, and I think this happens for a lot of therapists, we are so underpaid for so long, right. That we create a dynamic where at a certain point you go, I really don't want to live with debt to the rest of my life. Or, Hey, I haven't been, you know, properly contributing to my retirement. I'm going to have to work until my deathbed, mm -hmm. or I need to start recouping yes. some of these lost wages. And I think that, yeah, I see you like nodding your head. I think, yeah. I think there's something check, tick check, tickling in the check. back of my, of my brain from our previous coaching yeah. sessions yeah. of like, sometimes we have to play catch up and then it feels so uncomfortable. And I think therapists feel this way too, when it comes to like, oh my gosh, I have $100,000 in student loans, or I have $150,000 in student loans, right? You have a PhD, you know, as a having a doctor, like that's ex incredibly expensive. And they go, oh gosh, I don't want to pass that on to my client. And yet without that, you wouldn't have a client. Like that, exactly. that's what you needed to be able to do that. Right. Student right. disorder training is not cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you've been invested an incredible amount into your craft and what you're right. doing. An incredible amount. Mm -hmm. And we just have to be honest. Yep. You know? Can I ask you, does this dance feel familiar? Yes. In what way? Well, um, 
are you talking about the dance? Of, the dance of, oh, my feenies go up. I don't want to do that. Let's oh, go over here, do this. And like yeah. circumventing a little bit. Um, uh, somewhat. I mean, I, when I was first starting out in, to try to grow my side practice, when I was a full-time academic, I went down the insurance rabbit hole, mm -hmm. which was a nightmare. And then, so it took a while for me to extract. And then I had a coaching session with you, Miranda, and, and you were just like, nope, this is like, what feed you need? And I'm like, hit this. And you're like, do it, do it now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I did it. And so I have been increasing mm -hmm. my rates. Um, and I haven't gone back and done the numbers yeah. um, again. So it's based on old data. Yeah. And has life changed? Oh yeah. <laughs> And so then I think, yeah. And I think too, what I see happen is a pattern of like, you're not alone in this. It's like, Oh, if I just take one more client, Ooh, that amount of income's nice. Yep. Oh, one more, one more, oh, one yeah. more. And then you get used to this yes. level of income instead yeah. of saying, Oh my gosh, I need to make more money. I can't see more clients. Right. And then the fee goes up. So right. I know we kind of threw you for a loop. Okay. <laughs> in some I'm way. open. I'm but open. Like, yes. But I think there's, how does this change the relationship to the course for you? It takes off so much pressure because I was, um, I, I was feeling, I mean, I've, I've been losing sleep over it, you know, um, and my self-care has um, gone down like big red flags. Like mm -hmm. I know. Uh, you know, I, I know these things and, and I think I was like, well, just, just if, if I just get the class done, then I can do it. And, um, you know, then I can build in self-care. And it was the day before yesterday, I was talking to a client about meditating and I'm like, how long has it been since I've meditated? Because I have had a long meditation practice it's been a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped, and even though I had so much stuff to do, I meditated and it felt so good. So mm -hmm. I really, you know, this is, I have been talking about like bits and pieces of this with Karen, but I really haven't gotten into that. Like, this is the foundational issue. Yeah. It's really not about the class. It's, it's about this. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah. I'm so Ding. proud of you. Ding. I'm so <laughs> glad that you signed up to do this and to be, oh, me too. To be bold and dig into this. And yeah, I'm ready. I, I think it's going to be like, you're going to have so much more fun doing the course from here. I, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I loved doing the class. I mean, yes. it was, I was a black when I was actually doing it, it was the marketing that I was just feeling so stressed and the numbers. And when I would just get, yes. you know, hyper-focused on, I've got to make this work. I've got to make this work and so much pressure and that, you know, bleeds, you know, it's a top-down thing. It's like, if it bleeds into, uh, it, it could bleed into my class participants experiences. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, I want them to have a good experience and, yeah. And I had to fight being preoccupied with it. Um, you know, and, and now that just really helps, helps redefine my, you know, focus. There's that, like, mm -hmm. there's that great quote that's often used out in the, um, intuitive eating and kind of ED communities, which is 
and I'm going to murder it. I always do. I can never remember the right one, which is the, you can never get a, enough of what you don't really need. Right. Um, have you heard this quote before, Marianne? Uh, I, no? I have, <laughs> oh my gosh. I have been like playing with this in every area of my life for like 15 years. It is, it like blows my mind every time as to like how this has been. It's this, you can't get uh, enough of what you okay. don't really need. So if I'm like a silly example, if I'm thirsty, there's not enough food I can eat that's going to uh, take okay. care of this thirst. I, I get it. But also, if I am sad, mm-hmm. there is not enough, right? Again, there's not enough mess in the world that could like, <laughs> that's going to take care of my deep sadness right. or if I'm lonely, right. there's not yeah. enough shopping in the world that's going to, to meet this. Absolutely. Need. Okay. And so I, got I think it. this comes up in so many ways in our business. Right. Right. This like there isn't enough clients. If what I'm really sensing is a sense of like, oh, is it enough? Do I really feel confident about myself and my finances? It will not matter how much income comes in if you don't feel that core confidence about what you are doing. And then if we replicate that, put in other streams of income, still not going to feel any better. Right. We're going for this. You can feel it when you get to the same place where you just feel your body let down into the truth. Yeah, it is. It is the truth. And I've been dancing around it. And as I said, just kind of in the periphery and we just got to the core of it. So I really appreciate you all doing that. Thank you for being here, Marianne. And letting us operate a little bit deeper. A scalpel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a little poke, a little, little. I like to think of the pimple popper kind of thing a little bit more. Maybe a hot compress. Maybe we did a hot compress and it just sort of like popped on its own. (laughs) For those of you who are listening, I hope that today's episode of starting a private practice was impactful to you. Yes. Um, Feel free, go and review us. Check us out on wherever you you listen to podcasts know that we have resources for you, um, including a how to set fees um, training that you can go and check out at zinnyme.com. There are lots of free resources. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. There is support because we need each and every one of you out there doing the work that you're meant to do, that you're passionate about, that your soul craves doing. And we need you to care for so you can, so you can keep doing it. Marianne, thank you for your vulnerability. It was just another testament to how getting back to the vision is a way to guide us to truth and answers as to next steps. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Starting a Private Practice podcast. I hope you enjoyed Dr. Marianne Miller as much as we did. Uh, We'd love to hear what you have to think, uh, (laughs) what you think about this. Go ahead and um, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. But also, if you need more support in creating your vision or making your vision a reality, check out our business school for therapists. Go to zinnime.com forward slash pod for freebies and more information about our business school. Next episode, we're going to start diving into the second step of starting your private practice podcast. We'll see you next time. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. 
head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.